The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. Quintessential Podcast, sponsored by Axia Time. We welcome in Ryder Garnsey, live from South Bend, Indiana. The Ryder's an assistant coach with Notre Dame. He's, uh, you know, uh, recouping from a summer uh, with the Redwoods and the long PLL uh, season that was. Redwoods had a nice year, made it to the semifinals. Ryder put up, you had a great summer, man. You you uh, you, you started the summer just on absolute fire. Uh, it, it was almost like you were catapulting off the momentum of Notre Dame's championship. Yeah, it sort of felt that way, honestly, right? Um, you're you're coming off of a high. You're you're feeling confident about your, I guess, moving from coaching to playing, like your lacrosse knowledge and how you're seeing the game. And it's it's sort of um, transitioned that way. I felt like I had a good start to the summer, like you said. Um, didn't probably finish as well as I as I would have liked, and I don't think that we finished as well as we would have liked as a team, but. Um, you know, that happens in pro sports. Not everyone gets to win. Yeah. Now, the PLL, it's amazing how uh, everybody's really good, obviously. And then momentum, teams who improve, teams who, you know, maybe hit a peak. I, I thought you guys really – I thought you guys hit a, hit, a, hit a positive spot right before the playoffs towards the end of the summer. Is that, yeah. Did you feel I, that I think way? I agree. I, I definitely agree with you. And, and the first um, round of the playoffs, we played well um certainly Westberg played well he was spectacular that day um quite honestly we ran into a pretty good team now we we feel highly about ourselves and we definitely would have liked to have played better um but you got to give some credit to the archers they were were basically the best team the whole year from from start to finish and uh, I don't know if they were atop the standings the entire time they might have been um but they were pretty good they played they played well the whole year and they, they were better that day. So got to tip your cap sometimes. I had Matt Palin, the head official on the podcast last week. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed the podcast. We were telling some crazy old stories, but you know, Matt's been around the league. Obviously he's, he's the signature official. I'm there. I think I did 20 games this year, but it's amazing for me how much I learned uh, immersed on the sidelines at practices, talking to players and coaches. Uh, what wh- what do you learn Ryder? I mean, I feel like I'm learning something new every day, whether that's in the spring um, here at Notre Dame or uh, in the summer with the Redwoods. Um, You know, I've had the pleasure to be surrounded by, you know, Coach Corrigan here for for basically 10 years um, and then some of the best players um, and coaches in the world in the summer. So um, I think that I've probably learned the most off ball 
Um, I think that that's where I, the things that I can point to, um, the things that I've gotten better at. Um, now, a lot of the skills and, and things like that are, you know, you're not going to sort of change entirely in that way. So I don't know if there's as much to learn there. But I think that inside of the game, certainly off ball is where I've learned the most over the last five years, really, since I um, have gotten into the pros. I think, you know, you look at a guy like John Grant Jr., who is, you know, top. You you tell me what where you put him, but he's in the top echelon of players of all time. Um, so if, if you're surrounded by guys like that, you'd be an idiot not to be learning something. Um, and I think off ball, just like set myself up um, to be in better positions when I catch the ball um, and then sort of like, um, setting my defender up to be in a position where his decision-making is a little bit tougher. Um, that backside split, is he going to, am I going to put myself in a position where he's got a really hard decision to make? Or am I going to put myself in a position where it's pretty easy for him, you know, to cover two guys at once and, and let the other guy you know, go slide to, to the, the Dodger, um, little things like that, I think is where I've learned the most. Yeah. Being a play ahead, thinking in your head, uh, playing the role of your defender in your mind uh yeah. that's something you really probably didn't have to do very much back in new hampshire where where your role i'm guessing was not very much off ball no no yeah growing up uh growing up in new hampshire i had the ball a lot <laughs> i had the ball a lot and i think that i was pretty hard-headed um and stubborn when i got to college i wish that i had um been less stubborn and hard-headed when i got here you know that's what i knew how to do that's what i thought i was really good at and on those fields growing up, I was a as good, if not a better athlete than most of the guys out there. When you get here in the ACC and you're a, you know, five, nine hundred and something pound guy, you're, you're not the best athlete on the field. You're probably the worst athlete on the field in which I was a lot of time. So I wish that I had done a better job understanding that um, most of the plays that I was going to make, were going to start when I didn't have the ball. What's your mindset, though, you know, being that smaller attack when you're certainly strong, but like I was a small goalie and I and I like to run from outside the crease and make plays. But I knew I had to get in and get out, you know, like you better make the play and it better be clean because any hesitation, a bobble, a misstep and you're going to get lit up by guys who are a lot bigger than you. Well, what, what, what's your mindset as an attacker who's not the biggest cat in the world? You're not small by any means, but most of the defenders that cover you are pretty large. Yeah, honestly, my mindset is this is probably going to hurt a little bit. Um, and that doesn't that doesn't really bother me. You know, I wear a decent amount of pads. You know, everyone wears enough pads um, and the elation of helping your team win um, is a lot more satisfying than the pain of a little bruise on your arm. Um, so that's sort of my mindset. I try not to let I try not to think about that stuff at all. Now, from a my mindset in terms of how I can be effective. Like I have to, like I said, I have to set myself up to be in spots where um, the athleticism difference doesn't matter as much. So I have to give myself an advantage. Um, and then I have to be really acutely aware of where those advantages are in the midst of a play. So if I am trying to get top side and, you know, just if I'm just trying to sprint with someone or be stronger than somebody, I'm probably going to lose that matchup but being really aware of where his weight is, if it's too far on his front foot and I can roll off of it or things like that. Those are the things that I really try to hone in on um, and think about. You played some hockey growing up and, and 
having covered NCAA hockey, including the uh, the Irish in, in a Frozen Four one year, like those guys go so hard for 45 seconds. I mean, every shift is just as hard as they can go. And I think about football, like plays only six seconds. So those guys are going hard for six to get to catch your breath. Like lacrosse, the flurries are, are more unpredictable. They, it can be a three-second flurry. It can be a 10-second, a 20-second. You can be going hard for maybe up to a minute at times. Uh, how how did, did, did your hockey background kind of uh, form a basis or did your lacrosse background carry over to hockey or how did that work? Honestly, I, I think like the mindset, the tough grit, like, I don't, I don't know if other people perceive me this way, but I perceive myself as like tough and gritty and I, I like ground balls. Um, so I think like that mindset sort of comes from hockey. I've started playing more like high level competitive hockey before I did that with lacrosse, just because that was, you know, what was available where, where I'm from. Um, but in terms of like the skills and, and things like that, I played hockey goalie actually. So a lot of that stuff isn't really that transferable. Um, but, but in terms of like the mindset of a hockey player and the mindset of a lacrosse player, I think they're pretty similar. Um, you know, like our, our teams here at Notre Dame are, are good friends like those. And you, you see a lot of crossover with those sports. Um, but in terms of like the, the physical carryover. There's not a whole lot for me just because I was a goalie. I didn't know that. That's interesting. That That is an insane position. H yeah. How did you get good at lacrosse in New Hampshire? Um, I just, I played a lot in my backyard. Um, you know, there, I certainly was very fortunate to have, to have great coaches that you might not, you know, when you think about New Hampshire, you don't necessarily probably think of great lacrosse coaches. Um, I grew up in a, town where there was a boarding school um coach bill lee was a was a massive um influence on me he was there the whole time i was growing up my dad worked at the school at and then brewster? there was some, at brewster academy and yeah. so we had some guys like stephen keogh was the guy that i always think about he was at brewster when i was like let's see like 10 to 12 so at that point i'm going Coach Lee's letting me go to all the practices. I'm sitting on the sideline watching them um, practice when they're doing like odd man situations, you know, like a build up drill. He's letting me hop in there. So I'm getting the chance to play with these guys. So, um, you know, not in like a big physical way, but like I'm I'm still scoring on the goalie and I'm I'm letting him hear it now. Maybe he let me score, but I don't know. <laughs> Did you grow up on campus? I didn't. I grew up like two minutes away, though. So I I, wow. I ended up going to Brewster and I was a, a day student there. So okay. it's, it's just and, as close as the uh, local public school. Nice. And then you took a final year at Phillips, correct? Took a final year at Phillips, um, played for Coach Moreland, which I had a, a blast doing um, before before coming to Notre Dame. Was that was that necessary or was it was it a, a a positive like uh, what 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 was the the net result you think of, of taking that pg or because there, there are a lot of you know kids who consider it yeah um definitely a positive now i i didn't i didn't look at it that way when i was going into it you know when you're a 17 year old kid you think college is probably going to be more fun than a than a fifth year of high school and that's probably true i probably would have had more fun but i don't think that i would have been as well prepared both um physically academically um get into Notre Dame now could have been more prepared in in both areas but th those are shortcomings on my end not not something that Phillips 
didn't do in order to prepare me for here. But I definitely think that I was um, better prepared after doing that year. Um, and I think that Notre Dame probably benefited from it as well. Like I was a better, I was a better player my freshman year of college and I was my PG year just because I was a little bit older, you know, I was a nine, 20 year old kid rather than 19 year old kid with another year in the weight room a little bit. So definitely a, a, a net positive. Fighting Irish still celebrating the 2023 title uh, recently at a, at a football game honored uh, in front of the big crowd in South Bend. What was a uh, rider? What was a moment uh, that, that that's crystallized in your mind uh, a, a victorious moment, maybe one that stands out. Uh, it could be on the field. It could be weeks later. It could be with alums. It could be with players. Like, is there one moment that, that will be forever in your mind? Um. I'll tell a funny story. This is the first time that I started to like, okay, I think, I think we just won the national championship. Um, there's a couple minutes left. And at this point it, we're, you know, actually I don't know exactly how much time left, but we're going to win the game at this point. And I made an error. Uh, so I'm running the box. I made an error, which, which allowed them to have an odd man rush or, and, and they scored. And coach Corrigan starts going nuts on me. Uh, and at that point I allowed myself to be like look at the scoreboard okay coach you know I, I think I think we got this you know there's 45 seconds left or whatever and we're up by five goals um before then I was sort of dialed but at that point I sort of looked around it's like okay I think I think we got this um Thir yeah 13-9 final uh you could kind of coast there in, in the last uh, yeah. quarter that wasn't the case in the semifinals, but maybe one of the better uh, championship weekend games that I've ever, ever covered. Uh, just a, just a, a, a physical game an up and down game, a skill making game. It had good, uh, incredible drama at the end. What, what, what stands out uh, in your mind? You were right in the heat of battle there from, from the semi win over Virginia. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the best lacrosse games that I've ever been a part of, um, you know, certainly on that stage, you're down. What stands out to me, you're down two with like three minutes left. I think it was 11, nine with like two and a half, three minutes left, something crazy like that. And Virginia's going to score again. Yeah. And we're still going to win the game. Um, That, that stands out. Um, You know, Liam was, was spectacular. Liam Entman, our goalie was spectacular all year, but certainly he makes a doorstep save with a couple minutes left on, uh, Shots, yeah. On, on, yeah, and and he's a great player. Liam just, you know, makes that play. That there's a there's a handful of plays that if certainly in that game, if we don't make, we don't win. That's probably the biggest one. Obviously, you can say Tev's goal, Chris's goal, Jake Taylor's twister goal, right? Um, it's like I said, a handful of plays, but that one to stuff a, a you know an awesome awesome player from in tight like that. Um, that. That was pretty spectacular. Yeah. If you didn't have that one, you probably don't win. How's Liam doing this fall? Uh, he's a senior now. He's the best goalie in the country. Uh, he's got some new parts on defense, and he's got a, a future career potentially as a pro. Uh, what What's what's next for him, do you think? Yeah. I mean, Liam is just the most fun kid to coach, um, both as a coach and as an alum of Notre Dame. Like, what I really care most about are – the, the thing that sticks with me is like these, the kids who really appreciate being here really enjoy, you know, getting to play for Notre Dame, which I think is, is, you know, the coolest thing ever. And Liam has 
been that kid from the second that he stepped on campus. He's never once taken a second here for granted. He is, like you said, the best goalie in the country. You wouldn't know that at all if you talked to him. He's the most humble kid. Um, he's consistently getting better. I mean, I, I shoot on him all the time. Very, very rarely am I ever scoring on him. Um, so he is he is just such a spectacular person and player in in every in every facet. He's the nicest kid. If you're a Notre Dame fan, I think I had Liam on the show sometime last season. Just the nicest young man. I mm -hmm. I mean, without ego, uh, just wide eyed and, and excited. I, I've been uh, really impressed with his improvement that he's shown over the last two years. You know, I thought originally he's always been talented. He's always had the ideal body type, the hand eye coordination, really good. Uh, balance he's light on his feet but he had some issues going pipe to pipe and last year was really the first time early in the year I could see it wow he's he's getting from pipe to pipe with good balance you know at times he, he dropped low when going to pipe to pipe and that's something that's going to serve him well now uh because I think at the pro level that's 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 the next step you know what I mean the passing the interior passing the ball reversals uh the, the handling in tight like that's where blaze is so good and we see these goalies. Uh, and so I think that's the next challenge for Liam. You, you, so you're shooting on him. So you're telling me he's ready for the pros. He's absolutely ready for the pros. Now, you obviously know goaltending better than I do. So you can, you know, you're aware of the things that he might struggle with um, from like a technical standpoint better than I. And when I'm shooting on him, he's he's not moving very much, right? Because it's a warm up yeah. setting. Um, so I... I'll, I'll remember that when I'm having a bad day and I can't seem to score on him. And I'll just think in the back of my head, I got to get someone to pass it to me from get the a other feeder, get, get a feeder. You'll score. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly shots off a of ball movement. Uh, the Kavanaugh's uh, I saw what on the McAfee show, one of the Kavanaugh's was in a sling. Uh, how's Chris and Pat doing? Yeah, they're good. Um, you know, they were, <laughs> they were pretty beat up uh, at the end of the year. You know, they play really hard for the entire, you know, whenever they're on the lacrosse field. Yeah. And our season was, you know, you get back and sometime in January, it goes till late May, fortunately. And they played really hard for, you know, every game that we were in. So they, you know, physically were a little banged up. Um, Pat, uh, you know, everyone saw his hamstring. He got his uh, shoulder labrum um, taken care of. Um, so he's been out a little bit. Um Chris was was dealing with uh, like a court thing, so he uh, didn't play against Princeton. But we're hoping he he will be back um, for the next time that we have a serious competition. Um, so wow, our you team think, is. Yeah, no, I was gonna say you think that's changed, uh, Ryder, from maybe from my era to the next, and then yours, and then now. It seems like nowadays guys are more banged up, uh, bigger, faster, stronger athletes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that there's certainly something to that, right? Like, and especially the way that, like, Pat and Chris play, even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's just a little bit less physically demanding to get hit by a guy who's not working out as, you know, even, yeah. if, it, even if the percentages are 1% to 5%, if that guy's a little bit faster, bigger, stronger, that takes a little bit more of a toll on you know, the attackman's body. So I, I think that there could be something to that. Interesting. Uh, so a scrimmage against Princeton didn't go well. And then you guys uh, came back and scrimmaged the Team USA or some PLL All-Star type deals? Yeah, so we, we scrimmaged Princeton. We were horrendous. Um, credit to them. They were 
they they kicked our butt that day for sure um the next week uh we actually you know there was about 15 to 20 guys um mostly either either redwoods or notre dame alums um recent grads that we had come out um not this past weekend but the weekend prior uh and scrimmage our guys uh, on a friday night before the before the usc football game which our guys got honored on the field um so that was a cool weekend for myself because it was it was sort of all my all my buddies that i play with in the summer come back and and play against the guys that i get to coach every day uh, did you play or coach i played so it was the whole the whole the whole deal the whole deal the whole deal yeah we didn't have uh that many numbers um i definitely and i was sort of the coach de facto gm of of that team so i uh i gave myself the start and i I didn't pull myself at any time did football tickets come with uh the ability to play in that scrimmage yeah yeah uh shit man i wish i got a call for that i know i know a quarter I didn't have uh I didn't have that hard of a time convincing my buddies to come out here. So they they got themselves out here. They stayed with me. Um, they're the ones that needed a place to stay. Um, and we had a great weekend. I was texting with Coach Wellner after the Princeton scrimmage. Like having won a national championship, sometimes the next fall can become an extended celebration uh, of of winning the title. And it's not surprising. And my my point to him was the reaction tells you more than the actual scrimmage against Princeton. Like what were the practices like that next week, the correctional practices, those are like the most important because if you, if those aren't good, then you do have a problem. Uh, so, but it sounds like from what he said and from, from your tone that uh, you, you like the step that the team took forward after that, that setback against Princeton. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, like you said, it was sort of a predictable way that, you know, we came out against Princeton. We we sort of thought that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we no, thought we were really good. I, I yeah. don't want to swear. We thought we were really good, right? And we've been reading our press clippings the the whole uh, summer and and fall, or at least that's what it looked like. Um, but like you said, the reaction to that has been certainly positive. Um, last last week was uh, a good week of practice. Guys, guys really brought it. Um, and not that we weren't bringing it in, in the practices prior, but there was certainly a heightened sense of urgency um, throughout the whole time. And I think that we were lacking definitely in parts before, um, before the scrimmage against Princeton. I, and certainly I hope it wake, woke us up and it, and it so far it looks like yeah. it has a little bit. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to start over and you got to like hit the reset button. This is not last year. The same guys aren't walking in the door. We got new guys. And so sometimes that loss, and many times it'll happen early in the, the following spring even, but it's like, hey, hey, you know, who are we? And that That's history now. Who who, who are we? Uh, you got some new faces I'm interested in. Jake Bonomi, Devin McClain uh, in, in, in the portal. Are those guys participating? Yeah. Yeah, those guys have been here um, the whole fall. They've been great. Um, we've... You know, like I said, Pat and Chris didn't play in the uh, against Princeton, so we'll see exactly what everybody's role shapes out to be. Um, tack midfield. I don't. I don't know exactly what that'll look like. Yeah. We'll figure that out over the next couple months. But you know, both those guys are guys who have plenty of experience. Um, good lacrosse players uh, played in you know NCAA tournament games and were really good for their team. So uh, anytime you can add a guy, a couple guys like that. Uh, it's going to help your whole group. Um, and, and I think that they have certainly done that. 
we don't have Bonomi's the... from yeah Bonomi from Michigan is uh, really instrumental in that program. Yeah. you know, stepping up over the last couple of years, uh, explosive. He can, he can be electric at times. McLean really slick around the goal. Yeah, uh, car, really, car really tight with McLean back from, uh, I guess, the Connecticut, uh, Westchester area. And McLean's pretty slick. He, he can put it in the net. He, that might be a nice little combo with the Kavanaugh's. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it all shapes out. We've got some guys that can certainly fill it up between, uh, he and Jake Taylor and Jeff Rico are all, Really, really slick guys that know how to score some goals. So we'll see, you know, what that looks like on the field when they're all healthy and ready to rock. Um, but we're confident in in the group that we've got that they can do that and score. You know, a guy I liked a lot from the 2022 season was Will Angrick. And then he he was hurt last year and didn't play. Uh, is, is, is he out there running around in, in the action yet, coming off uh, a knee injury? Yeah, so he he's... Uh... He's not fully healthy, like he didn't play in our scrimmages, um, but he's out there in the the stick work and, and things like that. So he's he's certainly ramping up his uh, his rehab. And and now more it's like getting back to work. I was actually talking to coach about this yesterday about, well, like now it's time to start getting better again as a lacrosse player rather than getting healthy again. Um, yeah. And, and just like rehabbing your knee. Um and so I'm I'm sure that Will is looking forward to doing that. You know, he no one no one wanted Will to be on the field more than Will. Um, and we're really excited to have him back out there. You know, really really consistent guy as a freshman. I think he scored like yeah. one goal in every game, um, something like that. Which yeah, I thought he was sitting freshman. on 15 or 20 goals as a sophomore midi. Like that that's he's the I always look for freshman middies who make just a little contribution because that step up their sophomore year is usually a quantum leap. And he, he was a guy I targeted nationally. And then unfortunately he got hurt, but uh, he's got talent. Yeah, nice player. He definitely has talent. So smart. Um, good athlete. Like he's just, he's just good at everything. He's one of those guys who maybe doesn't even realize how good he, he is um, really, really nice, humble kid who we're really looking forward to having back this year. Is Eric Dobson a junior or is he a senior now? He's a senior. So he, uh, He's a class behind Pat and Liam and and a lot of those guys that we have um, who are back for their fifth years who are freshmen in the COVID season. And so Eric's Eric's freshman year was 21. Um, All those guys at the end of this year. He's got a shot to be a pro. I would think so. You know, I I feel like we've got I'm certainly biased. I I feel like we've got a a handful of guys who have a chance to be pros, a couple guys at the who have a chance to be drafted at the very top of the draft. Um, you know, Eric, Liam and Pat certainly are the guys that stand out, but then you've got a handful of guys who um, are, are in that next year that, you know, we'll see how this, this year goes um, and, and what the draft shakes out to be. What do you think the next step for Eric is in terms of his, his development, his evolution? Yeah. I mean, I think you saw it a little bit, um, but he, continue to develop as a feeder like I think about a, a pass he had late in that uh in that Virginia game to Chris Cav off like he's going to his left hand he throws it back across his body to Chris's left hand who's um you know curling around the crease like that's a high level that's a high level play to throw that in in that uh situation so just the next step as a feeder um certainly as a right-handed feeder, a lot of times because of his physical dominance, you know, guys are are channeling him so heavily down um, the alley to his right hand rather than allowing him to sweep. So if he's going to, you know, have his hands free right-handed a lot of times, um, 
there's going to be plays to potentially be made. Um, if he can do that, we'll see. That's a that's a you know it's a tough skill. Feed on the money, on the run, offhanded, small windows, right? So uh, it's a tough skill, but uh, you know he he works his butt off. Um, I think that if you if if you're pointing to something that could you know lead to a jump for him, that might be it. Uh, sorry about this pronunciation, George. Is it face Faison? Faison. Faison. Yeah, well, he, he's with the football team, and he earned a football scholarship. He's also on the lacrosse roster. Yeah. Uh, what What do you guys hint? Is Coach Freeman gonna gonna cut him free, or or is he gonna be invested in football uh, during this this entire entire year? Uh, you know, all we uh, we have every intention of having him out there uh, in the spring. I think that is. To my knowledge, the plan from for everybody, you know, from the football staff, our staff, Jordan, um, he'll be out there with us in the spring. Um, he is a, a kid who's from Florida, but played uh, with Team 91 on Long Island. So a smart lacrosse player. Um, you see it on the football field, how much of a dynamic athlete he is. Um, now, obviously, you know, hasn't played lacrosse this fall. So there's going to be a learning curve that exists um, coming from high school in Florida is the last lacrosse he played to, you know, playing in the ACC is, is certainly a step up and the, the skills are, you know, not something that you're working on at football practice. So it'll be interesting to see how he picks all those things up. But I mean, his background, like the, he received good coaching and is obviously the, the athlete needed in order to, to be a contributor. So, you know, depending on how fast he picks it up, there's, it's nothing that's really holding him back. So he commuted from Florida to play for in Team ninety one for Team ninety one, the Long Island based team in a lot of regional tournaments. Yeah, that's hardcore. Yeah, so he, yeah, he uh, yeah, he's bought in. You know, high level athlete, very very committed to his crafts, lacrosse and football. Um, we're we're very excited to have him. That's crazy. I rode yeah. my bike to practice every day. <laughs> I played. I played on one one team on Long Island before my senior year. That we had to like drive thirty minutes to practice. Uh, it's amazing the commitment that some of these parents are are willing, able, and and have to make nowadays. It is crazy. I mean, I guess we talked about it a little bit, but like by the time I got to high school, that's not Florida to Long Island, thankfully. But I was driving you know, three hours most of the time. My parents were. Uh, were helping me out and, and making that check, especially when I, you know, before I had my license. But that's the reality that a lot of uh, kids choose to have their reality become. Now, no, who, no, who are you playing for? I played for uh, th- first Nestle, which uh, doesn't exist anymore. New England Select Lacrosse League. That was like uh, a little bit south of Boston at Bell Hill, um, and then I was playing for three D Lacrosse, which uh, we were we were practicing like Dexter and and. You know, living. So that's a bo- that was a Boston-based team. Yeah, that was the closest that I played was Boston. Wow. Hey, I went to the website. I can't see a 2024 schedule. Uh, I know you guys are going to play Marquette because I talked to uh, Coach Stimmel last week. Marquette's going to be pretty good. I'm yeah. guessing. Uh, I also talked to Coach Brown at Denver, and he said I think he's that series is being renewed. You know, Quinn. I honestly, I don't know. I your, mean, ske- your schedule, your schedule is going to be very difficult. That's all I'm saying because. Carolina is okay. Syracuse is much better. Virginia is still Virginia. Duke's really strong this year. Like if you, if you play Marquette and Denver non-conference, Ohio state's got to be better. I'm not sure you're still playing them, but 
like this shapes up your schedule shapes up to be pretty strong yeah yeah you know it's uh it's i feel like it's been that way since you know since i got here certainly you if you play in the acc you uh you know that that heightens the floor of where your schedule is going to be at um the teams that we traditionally play um the maryland's the ohio states denver marquette like those are those are really good teams so um and and then all of a sudden you're at 10 you know, if you're if you're playing uh, two teams in the ACC twice, and those are ten really good games, so you sprinkle in a couple more, um, and and I'm not a thousand percent sure who those teams are, so I I'm not like yeah. Coach Corgan has typically uh, avoided midweek games uh, academically. I know that's not uh, it's kind of frowned upon uh, at Notre yeah. Dame, and he's typically started a little later. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe a week or two after some other teams get, get ramped up. I don't know if that's a weather thing uh, or it's an academic thing, or maybe you just, you know, the season's long. Uh, and it's, I, I, I kind of agree with him. I, I think some teams by starting practice the first week of January, I mean, it's a, you got to get to Memorial day. It's, it's a long deal. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we, we came back in early January one time over the last 10 years. And I think that we sort of have stayed away from that sense just because like you said, it's a long, it's a long year. Um, it's, it's grueling in the classroom. It's grueling to play in the ACC. It's grueling to play um, when you're in South Bend. It can be right. You're, if you're traveling, you're not getting on a bus. Like when you're at Hopkins, you get on a bus, you go play Loyola. You know, that's a, it's a one day thing. You're in and out of there. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect your, your sleep schedule or anything like that. We go play, you know, Maryland. That's a couple day thing where we're getting on a couple planes and we're on the bus for a couple hours. So um, it's a lot, it's a, it's a big lift to play an away game sometimes. So I think that that's smart by him to just sort of eliminate that. Like you said, the, the class miss policy that exists here is, is challenging to navigate certainly for midweek games because you're not, um, you don't have somewhere where you can just get on a bus and drive a half hour down the street and play a high quality opponent like you can in, in a, you know, in Baltimore or something like that. I feel that travel pain uh, this during football season, this fall, especially being sent to Pullman, Washington and Fayetteville, Arkansas last week and Starkville, Mississippi and Lawrence, Kansas. I, I think I'm on the tour of, uh, of, of small uh, college towns in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's how I felt this summer. The the travel was a uh, was a lot. Yeah, and then it impacts your Sunday and your Monday really, like getting back into your routine. You know, what are you able to do on a Sunday? If you're a college student, what can you do on Sundays? Is it impacting your academics? Are you ready to lift again or run again on Sunday? Eh, you know, uh, the big difference. Ryder, thank you, man. What's what's next? Uh, you guys got some individuals, I guess, over the next month or so, or or how do you guys handle uh, this this you know end of this semester? Yeah, so right now we're having uh, meetings with every guy on our team. Um, sort of talk to them individually about like where they can really hone in on over the next couple weeks, months. Um, as a team, we'll we'll lift a couple days a week. We'll play sixes like once a week. Our guys uh, have fun with that. Like we, our goalies will, uh, we have four goalies. So our goalies will draft teams. We'll have four teams and they'll play weekly and then, uh, you know, set up like a little mini tournament at the end. So our guys look forward to that. Um, that's like the lacrosse that we're going to be playing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but guys are going to be hitting it hard, certainly in the weight room and in the conditioning uh, aspect of, of getting better. 
the validation of sixes. You're going to start to see college, high school, youth teams playing it. It'll, it'll, it'll be very interesting. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but you you better be in. You bet. You you better be ready to run, especially if your you your team only has like ten guys. Exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a certainly a tiring uh format, but it's a lot of fun. It, you know, anytime an offensive guy doesn't have to have any long pulls on the field, we'll take that. Ryder, thank you. Super job uh, last spring. Really, uh, you know, to watch you develop and grow as as a leader of these young guys is as it's really been cool to see. Uh, and then uh, great job last summer in the PLL, man. You, you, it's, you know, people's 25 goals in, in what, 10 games is uh, nothing to shake a stick at. That's pretty impressive. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ryder. Thanks, Quinn. That's it for this week's episode of the Quintessential Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time. A watch, what a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiatime.com. And we'll see you next week.